God's going to do this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're turning to the book of Luke, chapter number 2. Luke, chapter number 2, is on our heart this morning. I want to preach on this thought today from this text. Unto you, the Savior is born. Unto you, the Savior is born. Thank God. I began to look up different words going along with the word for uh, a Savior. He's a Redeemer. He's a Deliverer. He's a Protector. He's a God. He's an Instructor. Amen. He's a hero. Thank God for it. And I'm glad that today we have Jesus as our Savior. And if you're a sinner, amen, that's the most that's the best definition of a Savior is that he came to take away our sins to deliver us, amen, that we might be saved for all of eternity. And I'm so thankful for that today. Luke chapter 2, I'll ask you to stand to your feet. We'll begin reading in the very first verse. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There's our verse right there, verse 11. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. We'll leave off reading right there. Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 17. For unto you a Savior is born. Father, I thank you this morning for your many blessings upon our lives. We thank you for Jesus Christ, the gift, God's gift to this world and Lord, I pray this morning, Father, that we would receive and accept the gift, God, that you've given to us, Lord. And I'm so thankful today, Father, for all that you do for us. Now, I pray that you would help us, Father, that you would stir us to preach the word of God by your spirit. Move us, God, I pray. Help us, God, enlighten us, cause us to have understanding. Give us encouragement today, Father. Open the word of God to us. Show us new things today, God, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Now we're building out of verse number 11 where it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now I begin to think about those shepherds in verse 8. They were keeping watch over their flock by night. And this world has saw many a night since it was created by the Lord God. On April the 14th, 
1865, America went to bed thankful that the long, bloody Civil War was finally over. But when they awoke the next morning, they found out that President Lincoln had been assassinated overnight, one night that changed the world. On December the 6th, 1941, Americans went to bed wondering about the war that was in Asia and all over Europe. But when they awoke the next morning, there was a surprise attack by the Japanese Imperial Army, Army upon Pearl Harbor. On June the 5th, 1944, the world went to bed thinking, when will Hitler and the Nazis finally be defeated, only to wake up the next day to hear the news of the Allied invasion that had been launched at D-Day in Normandy, France. These are nights that brought radical changes to the world, but no change came like that night when the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night when the Lord God sent his son, born of a virgin, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, according to human standpoint, that was just any other ordinary night when the shepherds were watching their sheep. King Herod had no idea that his kingdom had been invaded by he which would be king of the Jews. The villagers had no idea that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Son of God had been born. Across the world as people are drifting off to sleep, they have no idea that God is transacting eternal business. They did not realize that the Savior was born in Bethlehem. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes and he's laid in a manger which is like a feeding trough. Now, God is well pleased with the birth of his son, and he sends the angels to announce it to the shepherds. May I just stop and say that Christmas is not about football. It's not about basketball. It's not about gifts or receiving gifts. That's not what it's about. It's not about retailing. It's not about all these things, getting together and eating, all these wonderful di- Christmas is about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the very reason we're here today, amen, because Jesus is God's gift to this world. Now, when I look at this story today about the Lord sending his Savior, I think about about four or five things. Number one, I see the stated place. The Bible says in verse number 11, it's in the city of David. If you compare that to verse number four, we know that the city of David is also known as Bethlehem. It is a predicted spot. Preacher, what do you mean predicted? Well, the book of Micah over in the Old Testament, let's go over there. The book of Micah, chapter number 5 and verse number 2. Micah is prophesying 700 years before the birth of Christ. And he gives us a prophecy as to where the babe will be born. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Now in Micah's day, the people have grown disobedient. The people have rebelled against God. The people have become sinful. There's influence of corrupt human government, and the priesthood has even gone bad. And the problem is, they're leaving God out of their lives. And God, says Micah, tell them that there's coming a day that in Bethlehem, Ephrata, there's going to be a birth of the Son of God, the Bible says, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Not just a babe, but he's always been and always will be. Thank God for it. He's going to be born in the most insignificant, 
the least in privilege, the least in desirability, a most overlooked place, Bethlehem Ephrata. It's unattractive. It's unwanted. The Bible even says, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah. But it's selected by God, chosen by God. Preacher Darren, why? Listen, Jesus did not come from maternity. Jesus came from eternity. He's the Son of God. I begin to think then, not just about this selected spot, but I thought about the previous situations at Bethlehem. There was another young couple back in Genesis chapter 35. They were traveling and the woman was great with child. And as they got close to the city in Genesis chapter 35, let's read that. Hold your place in Micah, don't lose it, we're going to come back. In Genesis 35, we see the couple, uh, Jacob and Rachel, verse 16. They journeyed from Bethel and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath and Rachel travailed and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni. That means son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Verse 19, and Rachel died and was buried in the way of Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. Now we know that Rachel died in Bethlehem, and she's buried there on the side of that road. There's a grave marker there. Uh, Jacob had put that place, which signified his broken heart. He's expressing his sorrow. It's a symbol that one day Jacob is hoping that the Messiah will come and take away the sins of the world. Thank God for it, and reverse the course of death. Verse 20, Jacob set a pillar upon her grave. That is the pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. And Israel, that's Jacob, Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Edar. So Jacob has to continue on, and he leaves behind the heartbreak and sorrow of leaving his wife behind. That's a previous situation in Bethlehem. We know that David was raised in Bethlehem. That great, that wonderful shepherd, the sweet psalmist of all of Israel. Begin to think then about, go back to Micah. Begin to think then about a providential scenario and how that the Lord is going to get Mary, who's great with child, and Joseph back to Bethlehem. They live in Nazareth. How are they going to go back to Bethlehem to this predicted spot of Micah chapter 5 verse 2? Well, God begins to work things out. And he lays it upon Caesar Augustus' heart that you need to declare a census. The world will be taxed. And everyone, you can't track people by GPS in those days. Everyone has to go back to their city of ancestry. And Mary and Joseph, as the Lord was leading providentially, had to go back. And it created all these hardships. But there they are in Bethlehem. They've traveled 80 miles from Nazareth, great with child. Bethlehem, number one, is the stated place. You know, you're in Micah. Number two, 
I want you to see the specific prophecy. Now you're looking at Micah 5 2. Look at chapter 4, verse number 8. And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion. The kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. That's a specific prophecy. He's saying to the tower of the flock, that is where the Christ, the Son of God, will be born, in Bethlehem. Now, I was reading to you about Jacob and Rachel when she died, naming the baby Benoni, and Jacob changed it to Benjamin. The Bible said he put up a monument there, and he traveled, he journeyed, spread his tent, Past the tower of Edar. The word in the Hebrew is Migdal Edar. It means tower of the flock. Look what Micah said. It would be the tower of the flock. Now you can study the tower of the flock. And it is just outside Bethlehem. And it would be outside those fields where the shepherds would keep watch over their flock by night. They're watching these sheep that will one day give birth. And did you know that every day in Israel, two lambs had to be sacrificed every day. But once a year, they would take a special lamb. And that special lamb, they would take from the cold fields. They would, listen to this, wrap it in swaddling clothes bring it into the Tower of Edar. In the base of the Tower of Edar is a cave. It's a manger. It's a stall. And that lamb that would die one per year would be kept in the, base, in the, in the, in the manger of the Tower of Edar. That's incredible. The Lord started dealing with me as I was reading this. Those lambs would be kept, cared for, taken away from the cold, taken away from danger, taken away from the elements, and they would be supplied to the temple as a sacrifice. Shepherds knew all about the Tower of Edar, the Tower of the Flock. They knew all about the manger and how they would wrap the special lamb in swaddling clothes. They knew all about it. It was a specific Prophecy, number three, I want us to think about the special process. Now, hear me. Caesar Augustus makes his decree. Mary and Joseph, she's great with child, travel 80 miles. And when they get to Bethlehem, there's so many people that's come into Bethlehem for the census and for the taxing. The Bible said there's no room for them in the end. Micah's prophecy did not say the babe would be born in the end. Micah's prophecy 700 years before said it would be in the tower of the flock. That's where he, would, he which would have dominion would be born. Specific prophecy. And God began to work it all out. Hear me. Don't you think that probably more than likely Mary and Joseph went to the innkeeper and begged for a room. 
And what was the answer? They were told no. Have you ever been told no? Have you ever prayed and you've been told no? God says no because he has a greater yes. And so there's a no right there at the innkeeper. And so what happens? They go to the manger. And she that's highly favored delivers a baby and laying in the hay on the dirt floor, amen. And the babe is wrapped in swaddling clothes and he's lying in a manger. That's thirdly, God's special process. Sometimes we doubt how God works in our lives. We think when we're told no that God's not really working. But honey, I have news for you. He has a greater yes. He's working things out to fulfill his word to the dotting of the I and the crossing of the T. Number four, there's a supernatural proclamation. Now back to our text. Here these shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, just outside of Bethlehem, back at the inn where there's no room, there's no vacancy. Men and women are asleep. They're tired. But out on the Judean hillside, the shepherds are keeping watch over their sheep. Now they're protecting them. They're watching them. The word in the Greek is phulake. It means to guard or to pay close attention to. But the Bible says, by night. In other words, they're going to keep paying attention to them until the sun gets up the next morning. They're going to keep watch over them. Now, all of a sudden, look at the alarm. Lo, verse 9, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were sore afraid. I mean, boom, this bright light, this brilliant light, the light, the sky lit up that night with the radiance and the Shekinah glory of God. These shepherds are the dregs of society. I could read to you out of the book of uh, Genesis about how shepherds were considered to be an abomination to the Egyptians, which are a type of the world. They think they're smelly. They think they're dirty. They think they're unkempt. They think they're unworthy. But hear me, the angel did not come to the emperor. The angel did not appear to the king or to the queen. The angel did not go see the president or the pope. The angel was sent to the shepherds. What a picture of grace. That the first people to hear the announcement of the birth of the Christ child was sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. Now, look with verse number 11. Look at verse number 11. Look at the announcement. Unto you, unto who? It's an inclusive statement. Unto you, unto the world, but unto me, personally, individually, and unto you, the Lord, the Savior, was born for you. He was born to die. It is just amazing how we hear this, but we don't get excited. But you get around Elizabeth, who had John the Baptist in the womb, and when Mary said, I'm going to have the Christ child, my Bible says that John leaped in her womb and began to praise the Lord, the Spirit being the motivator there. And we'll sit around here, when I tell you the Christ child's been born, it's all you can do to go smile. 
Small. Christ is born. That's all you can do nowadays, get a grin out of somebody just to say Merry Christmas, amen. It's an inclusive statement unto you, every single one of us. He died for me, I'm a, I'm a sinner. Second of all, not is an inclusive statement, but look at his indisputable status. He says he's a savior, a savior. He came to lay down his life that sinners might be saved. He came to save us from our sins. He came to deliver us. He came to redeem us. He came to liberate us. Now, all through the Bible, we see that people live in the darkness and the dregs of sin and we're in need of a Savior. Listen, if the, our need was uh, more information, he would have sent an educator. Amen? If our need was to have more understanding about things, he would have sent someone to be a great orator. But our greatest need was forgiveness. Our greatest need was salvation. And he sent a Savior to address our greatest needs. Amen. You got your Bible here in Luke. Look with me in chapter 1 in verse 47. Let's see what Mary had to say about the word Savior. Luke chapter 1 verse 47. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. What about that? Mary called Jesus the Savior. While you're in Luke chapter 1, look at Zacharias. We preached about him a few weeks ago. Verse 69, after Zacharias, his mouth was closed up. Finally, after nine months, he wrote his name shall be John. His mouth was loosed. He started praising God. Verse 69 says, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. What a horn of salvation. Verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. There it is again. Salvation. Mary, Zacharias. What about Simeon? Luke chapter 2. We know that in eight days the, the Lord's going to be circumcised. His, 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 his name will be uh, presented there to at the temple. His name is Jesus. They're going to offer the proper sacrifice there. When Simeon, who's been waiting for the consolation of Israel, the Bible says, Simeon, in verse number 30, he says, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I mean, Mary, Zacharias, and Simeon all talk about Jesus being the Savior. David, the psalmist, who was born in Bethlehem, said, he made this statement, Thou art the God of my salvation. One time he said, Rejoice unto me, thy, the joy, uh, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Jesus is salvation. Thank God for it. He is called, back to our text, he is called the Christ. That means the chosen one, the anointed one, the Messiah. He is called the Lord. That is the sovereign God. Now, the angels gave an informative sign unto these shepherds. He says in verse 12, You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. You may say, Preacher Aaron, I don't think it happened like that. Are you reading my, the Bible? That's exactly what the angel said 
you will find this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes to a shepherd near the tower of Edar, the tower of the flock, swaddling clothes. Shepherds take care of lambs, swaddling clothes, lambs, they're thinking manger, tower of Edar. I mean, think about it. In all of Bethlehem, where are they going to go? I mean, you're going to go door to door to door? They knew to go to the Tower of Edar. They knew it very, very well. The Bible says, listen, this is he who the heavens can't contain is laying in a manger. Thank God for it. Verse 13, look at the adoration of the angels. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God, hallelujah, in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Well, thank God for that. That heavenly host, what a great number there was of them that were praising the Lord. Fifthly, look at the sudden prompting. These shepherds have heard, they've seen, now that's created a desire within them and they make a decision. They said, let us, not just one of them's going, all of them's going, let us go now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which was come to pass. Can you imagine those shepherds? Maybe they were on the hillside, and I'm just saying they were kind of looking down. But that night when the angel came and they got the message, their heads are lifted up. Their hearts are united we're going to get that. Listen, let me tell you, there's something about Jesus. He'll lift up your head. There's something about Jesus. He'll unite your hearts, amen. There's something about Jesus. He'll loose your tongues. He'll create a desire within you. And they go to see this babe which is born. Now, how did they know where to go? Micah chapter 4 verse 8. To the shepherds they knew about the tower of Edar. They're united in purpose. They're united in pathway. Verse 16 says, They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. What about that? And when they seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They went and told everybody, We have seen the cross child. The Messiah, the Savior. <laughs> He's born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Let preacher down. I don't think he was in the Tower of Edar. You go ahead and think that if you want to. But according to the Bible, that's exactly where it was. It was a very specific place. God's word is always fulfilled. He never misses. He works all these things out. Now, the Bible says in verse number 18, all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Mary, the Bible says, she's kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. What about that? They're shouting and praising God. Now, I started thinking about Zacharias, the priest. Remember? that he and his wife Elizabeth in her old age, God gave him a baby, John the Baptist, okay? I begin to think about that. Don't you know 
that Zacharias, the priest, a faithful man, raised John the Baptist in his home about glorifying and praising God. I think he taught him about things from the Word of God and the Scriptures about the priest's office. I think he taught him about the sacrifices to a day of the lambs, one on a special lamb, one for the whole year. I think he taught him that whole sacrificial process. And one day, John the Baptist is out preaching down by the Jordan River, and there comes walking the Lord down into that water. And what did John the Baptist say? Behold the Lamb, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. For him to be a Savior, for him to be the Lamb of God, he has to be sinless. Listen to what the Bible says. You know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish, amen. Honey, you can look the world over. You'll not find fault with my Savior. He's the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. He's the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. He's the Lamb of God without spot and without blemish. Honey, worthy is the Lamb. I begin to think then about Revelation chapter number 5. The Bible tells us that there's that great day in the which the title deed is in the hand of God the Father. And no man is able to take that title deed away. They looked over heaven, they looked over earth, and they looked over under the earth. And no man was found worthy. And John began to weep and cry, thinking that sin will continue to dominate. That sin will always have its way. What are we going to do without a Savior? What are we going to do without a Redeemer? What are we going to do without a Deliverer? What are we going to do without one that will set us free? And my Bible says in verse number 4 that John wept much. Verse 5, one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And behold, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. Hallelujah having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth in, of God in all the earth. And he came and took that deed right out of the hand of God the Father. Think about it. He is worthy. He that was born in that insignificant, lowly place, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, he was born to die. He was born to take sin's curse away from us. He was born to take that title deed and redeem all of mankind. Unto you is born a Savior. Not just a Savior, but the Savior. The only one who ever could. And verse number 11. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 
times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Hallelujah to God. Oh, come, let us adore Him. We give Him all the glory. We give Him all the glory. We give Him all the glory. Christ the Lord. He is born our Savior. I begin to think then about a little girl who this time of the year, growing up in a beautiful a little poverty-stricken home with a beautiful little family. It was cold outside. They worked to get a fire on, and the flu caught on fire, and the house burnt to the ground. Her mama and her daddy both died in the flames at about Christmas time. She was left with severe burns all over her body. They thought within just a matter of the week that she would die, but after surgery after surgery after surgery, she lived through it, but now she has no mommy, and she has no daddy, and they take her to an orphanage, and when she gets there, she sees a lot of other girls and a lot of other boys, and they look at her because she looks funny. She's scarred in the face, her arms and her hands and her feet, her legs, they're scarred, and the orphanage master who comes over to her began to hug her and receive her and she kind of backed up shyly away and she said, you don't have to hug me. I know I'm ugly. I know nobody wants nothing to do with me. It's just what happened to me and I can't help it. And he reached over and put his arm around her so gently because he thought it might hurt her and he kissed her right on the top of her head. And over the years that she was there, he became a daddy to her. How he loved her and looked out for her and and was an encourager to her and a, and a spiritual advisor and told her about Jesus and she got saved and, and she grew up and when she finally got out of that home, can you believe it? This little girl that was so scarred met a young man who fell in love with her not for the way she looked but fell in love with her for her heart and for her character and her personality and they got engaged but she didn't have anybody to give her away nobody to walk her down the aisle she went back to that little orphanage where she grew up well that man was still the orphanage master and she said would you do me the honor of giving me away you've been more of a daddy in my life than anybody else ever has he said honey I'd be delighted well there's a lot of preparation in the wedding and that day finally arrived and it came time they played the song and he began to walk her down the aisle and she was just weeping with every step. When she got up to meet her groom, she looked over at him, the man who was giving her away, and said, Today I kissed the one who first kissed me. She kissed him on the cheek, and she took her, her groom by the arm, and she was wed. May I say to you today that there was a day in my life, July 13, 1978, I was scarred by sins, work in my life, 
and I was ugly and nobody else wanted anything to do with me. No other savior, no other hero, no other liberal, uh, no, no other liberator, no other person that could set us free other than Jesus. He came to where I was and he said, today I'll set you free. He wrapped his arm around me. He kissed me. He received me. He forgave me and he saved me. And I'm on my way to heaven now because there's been born unto me a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I've been saved a long time. And the journey with him seems to get sweeter every day. And the promise of heaven is becoming more and more real in my life every day that I live. And I want to take time this morning to say to him, today, I want to kiss the one who first kissed me. I want to worship him. I want to adore him. Because to me, a sinner, a scarred sinner, I have a Savior who loved me and forgave me and redeemed me. And I praise his name. You stand with me this morning. There might be somebody you need to come to the altar and say, Preacher Darren, today I want to get on my knees and say, Lord, I want to kiss the one who's worthy. I want to kiss the one who gave his life for me. I want to worship at the foot of the throne of Almighty God and say thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth, leaving the splendor of heaven to be born in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes, willing to be spat upon and cursed, beaten, that you might lay down your life, that I might be saved, that you might be my Savior. Would you come today and worship Him and give Him glory? And praise Him as we take the time this morning. Our Father and our God, as we bow once more in Your presence, Lord, I want to thank You for that stated place that Jesus came to. I want to thank You, Father, that You worked it out, the census, the taxing, no room at the end to fulfill perfectly your word in the book of Micah. That babe, the Lord Jesus, born, laying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes in the manger of the Tower of Edar. There he was, God's gift to this world. And the world would not receive him. They rejected him. They refused him. But it was the plan of God who would go on, lay down his life, be lowered into the tomb, and on the first day of the week arise again. And now, Father, he sits at the right hand of God the Father. And Lord, I want to thank you that in your redemptive plan, you touched my life with conviction, showing me that I was in need of salvation. And that day I bowed in a little old way in the middle of a church. You came to where I was and you received me. And you loved me and you forgave me. And you've walked with me and been God with me every day since. Today, Lord, I praise you and I honor you 
and I glorify you. And like those shepherds who went and saw and returned glorifying God, Lord, I glorify and I praise and I honor you. Woo! Thank you, God, for being my Savior. Lord, may your blessing be upon these that have taken the time to attend your house and worship you today on this Christmas day. May you bless their lives, we pray. In Jesus' worthy name.